0: Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. I am no bird, and no net ensnares me. I am a free human being with an independent will. Welcome to Queer Magic, the 193rd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening
1: today is courtesy of 19th century author Charlotte Bronte. You may call me Ode. Merry meet. My name is Gwyn. I'm Ode's mother. And Charlotte Bronte. Mm-hmm. I like her. That
0: one's actually from Jane Eyre, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Housekeeping.
1: Housekeeping. First of all, do
0: we have any housekeeping-y stuff?
1: Well, I will have some announcements upcoming for August, but I need to get the details together. Okay. So, nope. anticipation. <laughs> Warning up front. Yep.
0: So, Gwen and I are going to talk about the Roe v. Wade overturn for a minute here during our housekeeping. It's not going to be what the whole episode is about. Nope, we made that decision. We talked. We talked about having a whole episode about it, but we decided no. Nope. It would just be us ranting for an hour. Yep. We'll restrain ourselves to yep. just talking about it during housekeeping, but yep. that's what we're going to talk about for a little bit. Yep. So if you don't want that, tune Skip out and, ahead. and tune back in and uh, when we're done with that's housekeeping. Right. <laughs> that's
1: right, because everybody has their opinions and ours are very strong. Today. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and for those of you, especially outside of the United States, who may yep. not have heard, the yep. Supreme Court pulled the trigger on overturning the Roe v. Wade
1: decision. On Friday, June
0: 24th. Yeah. I'm still sort of processing this because Mm. I found out that it was happening the day that my work week starts. Yeah. So I've been living in the surreal hellscape of going to work like it's normal while millions
1: of people are having their uh, bodily autonomy threatened. (laughs) Yep. And I heard about it in just sort of the words floated past me because I'm in training for a new job Mm -hmm. and I heard the words Clarence Thomas and I thought, oh Uh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit what's happened and found out after after work
0: Uh, abortion is banned in many states in the United States Mm -hmm. right now, is under threat in many more states in the Mm -hmm. United States right now and Clarence Thomas, who is one of the justices on the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. in his concurring opinion laid out a list of other rulings he thinks the Supreme Court should overturn including decisions that guarantee the lack of state interference in same-sex marriage, Mm -hmm. in same-sex sex, sex, Mm -hmm. and in contraception and that's just
1: the beginning. Yes
0: it is. Very likely that if those rulings are also overturned, mm-hmm. things will proceed along to Loving versus Virginia, which will involve interracial marriage, which is ironic when you consider who Clarence, Clarence Thomas Thomas is married has to. an interracial marriage. Yep. And yeah. So mm-hmm. things
1: are looking pretty grim here in the United States yeah. at the moment. My son and I were talking about it and when I brought up Loving versus Virginia, I explained the reason that Loving versus Virginia and interracial marriage could be at risk Mm -hmm. after all these years is because it is a precedent. And And it's the same precedent. And it's the same precedent that was used to win the rights of same-sex marriage. And abortion. And abortion. All of those rulings
0: rest on an expectation of a right to privacy. Because the recent SCOTUS decision, SCOTUS is the abbreviation for Supreme Court of the United States, for those of you who are outside of the United States. Because the recent SCOTUS decision overturns Roe v. Wade, and in the process of overturning the justification they used is that the Constitution does not guarantee a right Right. to privacy, all other decisions that have rested Mm -hmm. on an implicit right to privacy, Mm -hmm. which has been previous to this, Mm -hmm. expected to have been implied in the Fourth and Ninth Amendments, Mm -hmm. all other decisions that rest on a right to privacy are now in jeopardy.
1: That's right. So, for those people who are like, what's the big deal? Because I I actually ran across this on my Facebook page. What's the big deal? People aren't losing any rights. You know, Mm blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's bullshit. First of all, they are. They They are losing their rights. They're losing their bodily autonomy. Yes, many states have already had
0: trigger bans in place. So, it is already banned in...
1: At least Oklahoma. 13 states. Yeah, it's at least 13 states. You can find a list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's another 12 or 13 who pursuing are legislation, pursuing legislation, state-level legislation. They said, I, I read somewhere, by the time all of this legislation has gotten through, mm-hmm. we are looking at abortion being banned or mostly banned throughout half. More than half. More than half of the United States. I believe the count that I saw last... For states
0: which will be banning or severely restricting abortion, assuming that their current
1: legislative uh, efforts go through, is 32. And to to just put a point on how much these people do not give a shit mm-hmm. about the lives of women or pregnant or people pregnant in people in general. Tell the story of the of the woman that you told. Me, the yeah, individual. so
0: I don't have a link to the article about this. I've been, like I said, I'm still sort of catching up because this all happened right as I was starting to go to work this week. But I was told of an instance of a woman who went to her ER at 11:30 on Friday, which was the night that the SCOTUS decision has handed down, with an ectopic pregnancy. During the nine hours that it took for her doctor to work with the hospital's lawyer to find a loophole that would allow him to remove that ectopic pregnancy, it ruptured, and she was left bleeding in the ER for multiple hours, waiting for this loophole to be found because the state she was in had a automatic trigger ban that did not provide any exceptions for the life of the pregnant person. Mm -hmm. By the time she was finally cared for and the unviable, ectopic, dangerous pregnancy, was removed she had 600 cc's of blood in her abdomen so she
1: could very easily have died and for those of you who don't know what an ectopic pregnancy is Mm -hmm. it is when the fertilized egg does not make it to the uterus it implants in the fallopian tubes Mm -hmm. and continues to grow until it uh, endangers the mother because you have this rupture that Mm -hmm. can happen and you are looking at the, the loss of life because of internal bleeding yep so it's very serious, and then you've got uh, women who experience miscarriages. Who, if if the fetal remains fetal remains are not removed or do not remove do naturally, not naturally, do not pass naturally, that also can endanger a woman. It
0: can it. Canon usually does result in a life-threatening infection called sepsis. In fact, in 2012, what finally pushed Ireland over the edge to legalizing abortion in Ireland Mm -hmm. was a case of fatal sepsis of Mm -hmm. a pregnant woman who had a miscarriage and Mm -hmm. the laws in Ireland did not permit the remains to be removed from her body at that time and so she died of sepsis in the hospital as her husband begged them to save her life. Yep. That was what finally pushed Ireland over the edge
1: into legalizing abortion. I watched a an interview with Anderson Cooper and an abortion provider from, I believe it was Louisiana. Mm-hmm. She and her staff uh, at a, a, a women's health, reproductive health clinic, were doing their best to get as many patients as they could uh, through, the door. through the door and have procedures done that they needed to have done. She said that there were people waiting in the parking lot from 3 a.m. because they knew that, that it was coming soon, that the, that the ruling was coming soon, and they got through some. But then the ruling came down, and they had to stop. They had no because choice. Because they were in a state with an automatic trigger ban. With an automatic trigger ban where abortions were not allowed, period, for any reason. Yeah. And so they had to take. I think she said something like 15 women. Mm-hmm into another room and break the news to them and her eyes were filling with tears as she talked about the emotion and the desperation Mm -hmm. and the the rage that these women felt because they were all in a crisis Mm -hmm. and they can now no longer receive the medical care that they deserve and that they require and that they require
0: So, I want to be clear that we're not even, um, Gwyn and I are not proponents of only in the life of the mother. No. Um, or only for health reasons. I believe Mm -hmm. that any person who is pregnant and does not want to be pregnant should have safe, affordable access to an abortion at any time for any reason.
1: And that whether it is the pill... That an that mm-hmm. a, a individual can take when they believe they may have conceived. Mm-hmm. Or a DNC or a or DNC a or, or whatever form it takes. This is a fundamental or should be mm-hmm. the, a fundamental right of any person who To can, maintain
0: their bodily integrity. To
1: maintain their bodily integrity. And
0: this point has been made multiple times, but I'm going to make it here because it's a very solid point. We give corpses more rights to bodily integrity than mm-hmm. we now give to pregnant people. That's right.
1: And um, don't think this is the end of where pro life is just going to hang their laurels and be happy, happy, happy. Mm-hmm. No, they're going after contraceptives. Listening to some, you know, as much as I could tolerate, mm-hmm. some pro life people, so called pro life people. Call them what they are, which is pro birthers. Yeah. Forced birthers. Forced birther anti choice people. Mm-hmm. You know, their next target is to go after contraceptives because they believe that contraceptives can terminate a pregnancy. Apparently, they don't think we should have contraceptives.
0: No. The real reason they don't want you to have contraceptives is so that they can control sex. Yeah. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. It's just punitive efforts to control
1: sex. And this is from a country and a, you know, who can't provide enough baby formula, and now they're forcing individuals to have more babies. Yeah, we're a little unhappy with this whole thing. And we have been saying for months, as many other people have been saying for months, this is only the fucking beginning.
0: Yeah, so I want to talk about some things that you can do to protect yourself and others right now. The first thing all of you should be doing is getting a VPN Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and setting it up to protect your privacy. Also remember that a number of devices in your home can be used to surveil you, including your cell phone, your Alexa, all of those things, and we know for a fact that those companies will give data on you, not Mm -hmm. only to advertisers, but in subpoenas if you are charged
1: with any kind of crime. And do be aware that in many of these states, if it is not already in the law, they're looking to add punitive measures to anyone who assists assists an abortion. Mm -hmm. That's like driving your your daughter or your friend to a clinic. Yes. Even if it's out of state. Especially if it's out of state.
0: How all of that's going to end up being litigated remains to be seen, Mm -hmm. but as a precaution now, Mm -hmm. install VPNs and pay close attention to what's monitoring in your home Mm -hmm. and decide if you want it to continue monitoring you.
1: And remember, once it's on the internet, it's out there. Yes. Vote. Vote.
0: Vote Democrat on every ticket. I don't care if you don't like Democrats. I don't care if Democrats have disappointed you. Believe me, I am far more left than the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. and I am also not happy
1: with the results they have given us. But we have to work within the system we got right now.
0: Well, right now we are in harm reduction, Mm -hmm. which is a state we should have been in for years, but we're here now and it's going to take us a good long time to fix this and in the meantime we need to keep mm-hmm. as many republicans out of positions of power as humanly possible so vote democratic for absolutely everything
1: all the way down the tickets yep and start in your district in your in your state in your city your town don't just save it for the big elections mm-hmm. we got to start from the ground up yeah. if we want to have actual change. And
0: here's the thing. You have to use the exact same tactics that Republicans used to get here. Mm-hmm. They voted for this consistently in every election for 50 years. Mm-hmm. This is why Republican voters have always been out in droves more than Democrat voters. Because Republican voters had this one issue mm-hmm. that they were willing to relentlessly pursue. We need to relentlessly yep. pursue... The protections which are being stripped away from us yeah. it may take us 50 years but you have to fight for it if you don't they will just take it
1: away mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter that 80 percent or something of the country disagrees with scotus's recent ruling mm-hmm. doesn't matter we have this very conservative vocal element in our politics and they are getting out and they are voting
0: And I want to make it clear also that voting is not the end of the game here. No. Voting is one thing you do. You vote and. So you vote and you Mm -hmm. protest. You vote and you donate. You vote and you do whatever you have to to help the people in your life. You vote and you communicate with the people around you Mm -hmm. to find out what they need and what you can give them. You vote and you establish a block in your community that can help you protect your rights. Mm -hmm. You vote and. And I'm sorry... There is no more taking the high road Mm -hmm. for Democrats, for liberals, for leftists, for for centrists. No more. When they go low, we go high. From now on, when they go low, we go to hell and we bring the demons back with us. Do you understand me? We fight like hell with every fiber of our being or we die. Mm -hmm. Those are your options. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm sure there are some people out there going, this sounds very alarmist. We need to be. You thought this was alarmist too. Yes. And here we are. And here we are. We knew this day was coming. It was just a matter of time. These people have been working toward this agenda, and they have consistently gotten their uh, people into positions of power from the lowest level to the highest to get who they wanted, where they needed them Mm -hmm. to make this decision happen. And so right now we have a super conservative Majority Mm -hmm. on the Supreme Court. And they will go after these other rights because they lied. During confirmation, they fucking lied because they're lawyers and they know how to use language to make it sound like they are appeasing whoever they want to appease. It's politics. Mm -hmm. And they're very good at it.
0: Mm -hmm. The next thing you need to do is stay angry. Yes. It's gonna be four months before we get to November and we have the midterm elections. Stay angry. Stay in the streets. Do not let the news cycle forget this. No,
1: because they will. It, it's a big thing now. If we don't keep pushing, mm-hmm. if we don't keep doing what we need to do, then more and more of this is going to just continue to roll out mm-hmm. until we are living in a in a world where we have no rights. And
0: I am telling you, use their tactics. Mm-hmm. They stand outside abortion clinics with pictures of dead babies, stand outside their houses with pictures of women who've died from failed abortions mm-hmm. like the coat hanger back alley bullshit. You push every single article about a woman who died, from a miscarriage every single one you push those to the top of the news cycle mm-hmm. you give them every single click they can get you make you push those in people's faces relentlessly you make the horror as brutal
1: and vicious as possible and realize that a lot of what they have been pushing over the years is just straight up propaganda so for the ones who say oh you know people are just using abortion as birth control mm-hmm. you know because they they're lazy bullshit make sure that they know that those stories are false It
0: doesn't even matter if they're true this is this is not and should not and cannot be a moral argument yeah we have for decades allowed conservative right-wing religious media to push mm-hmm. their narrative specifically. Yeah. It's time for our narrative. That's Stay right. angry, get loud. And witches, get witching.
1: Yes. I've already started a spell. It's on TikTok. You can feel free to add energy to it. It is a spell full of wrath and a desire for punishment mm-hmm. and, retribution. Ben- and retribution to those who five who lied mm-hmm. and who have put us in this place. And then prepare
0: for more. As this situation develops... We are going to see what individual states are capable of, how far they're willing to Mm -hmm. go, and how far the
1: bonds of this union can stretch. That's right. Because realize, as more and more states either make it extremely hard to get an abortion or make Mm -hmm. it impossible, these individuals who need an abortion are going to want to go to states where it's legal Mm -hmm. and the question is what lengths Mm -hmm. are these people going to go to to make it impossible for someone to cross state borders Mm -hmm. that's the next step after that and i'll say will we have border guards i know that sounds alarmist but it's not not if they're going to we're here yeah not if they're going to enforce things like that it's illegal to Uh, help someone find their way to an Mm -hmm. abortion clinic in another state Mm -hmm. and prosecute that individual. The only way they can do that is if they catch you at borders. Yeah.
0: Now, the other thing I want to put out there is that as much as this is a call to arms, it is also a call for safety. Yes. So if you are in A state which is going to endanger you and you have the ability to leave that state, I encourage you to do so. You will see some people telling you, no, no, don't do that. That's just going to solidify the red voting block. It's already solidified. Your life is more important. So if your life is going to be endangered where you live and you possibly can, go somewhere else.
1: And if you are unable to because of economic reasons, you know, whatever, you are not able to leave. Then band together mm-hmm. with people who you know. Find your who community, you trust. Find your community, work together. You know there are going
0: to be auntie networks out out there. If yeah. you go on Reddit, our auntie network, there is already a online community that is working
1: to find solutions to these problems. Mm-hmm. And there are those who are talking about creating another kind of underground. Mm-hmm. you know to get people the medical care they need and eventually you know whether that is an abortion or eventually gender affirming mm-hmm. medications and and surgeries i mean these are the, these are the things that we have to realize are becoming a reality looking, again
0: we're we're looking at the last 100 years of progress being yeah. completely wiped out yeah that's what we're staring down the barrel of and darian makes a good point that i want to bring up experiences, says, witches also need to be aware of herbalist remedies. There have been a ton out there, and not all of them work and mm-hmm. or can cause harm. Yes. Yes. Please do not give medical advice. No. If you are not qualified to give it, even, no matter how well-meaning it is.
1: Yes, exactly. I have been studying uh, herbalism for a while now. I would still not fi- feel myself qualified mm-hmm. to give advice especially of this nature mm-hmm. to any woman at this time
0: And i've already seen a little bit of eating our own happening i have seen some uh, cis women complaining that this happens because trans people have been asking for more inclusive language like pregnant people instead of pregnant women let's not do that y'all no. let's um focus on the real enemies here mm-hmm. all pregnant people whether they identify as women or not are going to be hurt by this ruling
1: that's right i heard this on tiktok and i agree We have got to stop attacking one another, Mm -hmm. creating separate camps. And that's the other thing. We got to come together on this. We have to come together. (sighs) This is another issue where I I really need
0: everybody to take a long, hard, academic look at what Republicans have been doing for the last 80 years Mm -hmm. and do what they do because you do not find them eating their own. They have the most tribalist fully integrated mentality I've ever seen. They can hate each other in the streets, but they will all vote together no matter fucking what. And mm-hmm. if we don't do that, we will
1: never beat them. Mhm, that's right. So we have got to stop fighting amongst ourselves mm-hmm. and getting on our high horses. We have to come together yeah. on these issues. Otherwise, we will find ourselves in a dystopia.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we're already We're in already one. there. Our, 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 It'll our, get worse. Yes, yeah, so our efforts now are to crawl out of it. Claw your way out of it. That's right. With your fingernails and teeth
1: if you have to. That's right. All right.
0: I think that's all we are going to say on this topic no. for now. We okay. may have more to say in the future.
1: Yeah. The only thing I'm going to add is don't let anyone tell you that this is not a big deal. Yeah. Don't let anybody gaslight you over this. Don't let anybody gaslight you and remember and perhaps remind them that this is a trickle-down effect (laughs) and it will affect everyone Mm -hmm. to some degree in the end. Even if they don't recognize it now.
0: And Rhiannon Gray says don't listen to anyone who says it's impossible to change either. Yes, we do not need defeatism right now.
1: We need anger and action. That's right. Anger and action. Oh, and one last thing. I did see, again on TikTok, I don't know if this is just a small grassroots thing or not, but apparently there are some women uh, or potentially (laughs) pregnant people who are planning on July 3rd, 4th, and 5th to... Dress in black for Mm mourning, the loss of our bodily autonomy, Mm -hmm. and are planning not to do any commerce that day. And certainly not celebrate the 4th of July.
0: Yeah. No celebrating, no buying things, no working, nothing. If you can. If you'd like to participate in that. If you can. And if you still have to work, like Mm -hmm. some of us do. Right. Those of us who are paycheck to paycheck. Yep. Wear black.
1: Mm -hmm. That's what I'm planning to
0: do. Go in full mourning if you can. Yeah. Get very Victorian. Wear a veil. Yeah. Alright, are we going to call that the end of housekeeping? Yes, and we're going to burn some some rosemary. (laughs) We'll burn some cleansing herbs. Mm. Okay.
1: Cleansing herbs, got the rosemary burning a little bit here, yep, yep. To, try to clear yes. the air so that we can talk about queer <laughs>
0: magic. Yes, Miranda Grace says time to get to the actual topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We knew we were gonna get into it. Uh huh. We just didn't want to make it a whole episode, and we made it half of one. Yes, so close, so. close. So we did well. But you've got to understand, we have been raging about this, as many of you mm-hmm. have. All weekend. All weekend. And
0: so in some ways, you're hearing me process this live. Yes. <laughs> All right. Queer magic. Yes. So in honor of the final week of Pride. The
1: final days of yes, Pride. Yes, the final really. days of
0: Pride for our podcast. We're going to be talking about queer magic and how to make your practice more queer and mm-hmm. that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the the first things I wanted to talk about, I guess, was sort of the difference between inclusion and affirmation. Mm -hmm. So we often see a lot of people talking about in the pagan community um, that it's a very queer-inclusive space, meaning that queer people are welcome to be present in it, Mm -hmm. which is, broadly speaking, true. There are obviously some branches of paganism that are less inclusive or are explicitly exclusive Mm -hmm. but as a general rule many of the paths under the pagan tradition are inclusive Mm -hmm. but not as many of them are affirmative Mm -hmm. so queer affirmative stance versus a queer inclusive stance would be one that specifically finds or creates space for queer people Mm -hmm. to celebrate their queerness as part of the practice Mm -hmm. rather than just accepting their presence while they celebrate more cis and heteronormative elements of the practice right does that make sense
1: yeah because as we know a lot of uh within a lot of paganism especially traditional british traditional paganism it is very heteronormative it is very male female gender Mm -hmm. roles very binary very binary Personally, I, I think a non-binary approach is, mm-hmm. is awesome. I'm still processing and working through these things. Right.
0: Finn says, oh, so being pan doesn't make my practice queer enough? Gosh. Um, no, it actually does. Just mm-hmm. being queer means that you are practicing queer magic. I'm more talking right now about, like, paths and traditions. Mm-hmm. And how, even though, like... So, like, I've been to many, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. many a uh, an open writ that has been inclusive to queer people. Mm-hmm. Pe- queer people are welcome to be present mm-hmm. but it's not affirmative of queer people. Their experiences are not represented. Mm-hmm. It's There's still that sort of binary influence. Yeah. There's still that, in many ways, heteronormative influence.
1: Rochelle says queer affirming spiritual structures. Yeah. Well, I feel like non-binary can be helpful in that.
0: Yeah, well, and I th- I think a lot of Uh, especially the older and more established traditions, Mm -hmm. aren't sure even how to go about that because there's Mm -hmm. been such a binary structure in... In how everything to do with the practices are designed. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, for instance, the Great Rite mm-hmm. in Wicca is always heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Um, but now people like Jason Menke and Christopher Penzak... Mm-hmm. you starting know, starting to challenge that. They're 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 challenging that. Christopher Penzack, uh wrote a book called Gay Witchcraft, mm-hmm. which is specifically about uh, empowering the gay community, specifically gay men. Gay men, um, you know, with a way to practice ritual and magic that affirms their queerness.
0: Rannon says, I e back to all the talk about how a binary system in your practice can be pretty detrimental to the actual openness of your of your religion, just because you let us in doesn't mean you actually show any care to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's sort of a tendency to say you can be here as long as you don't complain. Right, right. There is <laughs> as that long theory. as you don't expect us to change anything. Mm-hmm. You can observe, you can participate in whatever way you feel is correct for you, but mm-hmm. we're not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's a queer inclusive practice. It's mm-hmm. certainly not one where queer, where queer people are being told to go away. Right. But it's one where queer people, even though they are technically welcome, do not feel incorporated.
1: Right. So the you know again the question comes how does you know how does that happen? I mean
0: for organizations it has to start at unfortunately at a top level at yeah. an organizational level. Mm-hmm. It involves a lot of rethinking why your structures are designed that mm-hmm. way. What do masculine and feminine even mean to you? What's the context for that? Yeah. Which are which are questions that I think a lot of cis uh, and straight people haven't mm-hmm. asked themselves before. Mm-hmm. So they don't have answers to.
1: Yeah. You know, as I was preparing for this evening, mm-hmm. um, I read a couple of articles from, first was from pride.com, the other was from Spectrum South, and both were about how queer community is drawn to witchcraft. Mm-hmm. and so i think perhaps if had a normative community mm-hmm. the straight cis community mm-hmm. kind of understood what it is that this pretty much the same things that are drawing them to witchcraft those transgressive those, elements you know there yes. are similar but like one of the things that um was said you know that witches are often protectors historically they are they've coincided with times when marginalized populations have felt disempowered and so if we come at this from a, a maybe a view of empowerment mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be heteronormative
0: i do think a lot of the reason that modern pagan practice is so heteronormative mm-hmm. and so cis <laughs> mm. is that the modern pagan movement was in many ways a response to to the sort of the downstream effects of patriarchy mm-hmm. And that's why you see a lot of emphasis on the divine feminine. Right. I mean, that's one of those things that felt very empowering mm-hmm. to that marginalized community. Yes, yes. And so they, they structured modern paganism to cater to sort of, I guess, really the largest marginalized community mm-hmm. that there was, mm-hmm. which was... Women mm-hmm. who were suffering under patriarchal constraints and especially who were escaping from patriarchal religions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and looking for religions that would validate them in their experiences. Mm-hmm. And so they, they really focused on the divine feminine, which meant, sort of by necessity, having that binary gender system
1: be mm-hmm. an important part of the structure. Right. But if, if you read a little bit of Christopher Penzack's book, Gay Witchcraft, Empowering the Tribe, he does talk about the queer aspects of the ancient societies, of mm-hmm. the mythologies, of the, of the pagan religions, mm-hmm. where it was normative within the pagan religions mm-hmm. and the deities that you know right.
0: well, we just told yeah. we just told uh stories last week of gender, swapping of gender, and, bending, yeah, gender in, bending in various mythologies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me the non-binary thing is still a, a good option.
0: <laughs> but how would you so yeah. I guess here's my question. Yeah. What does that what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still working it out cuz I mean I think it would be very, you know, as as someone who is bisexual leaning more now that, that I'm exploring things, probably more toward calling myself a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Or at least sapphic. Yeah. <laughs> um, it would be very empowering to be in, in a ritual where that feminine energy was raised mm-hmm. instead of in a heteronormative way. I'm, I'm sure I would think it would be very empowering for, for gay men to focus on both their inner divine feminine as well as the masculine energy
0: Here's my observation. Okay, this is a hard topic. It is. It is. It's a it's complicated. Hard t- topic. It's a complicated topic, and I don't think we're going to come to any like final no, conclusions. No, no. Here. But this
1: is us just spitballing around.
0: Uh-huh. You keep talking about the divine feminine and the divine masculine, right? Which is still binary, binary. system, right? Like saying that men can have the divine feminine in them right. as well as the divine masculine and that women correspondingly can have the divine masculine in them as well as the divine feminine doesn't take you out of the binary it just complicates that binary that's true it makes that binary more obviously a spectrum Mm -hmm. but like i as an agender person am Mm -hmm. entirely outside of that binary spectrum
1: i'm not on it at all you know it's really funny though as i've worked um with the earth and in green earth witchcraft and the earth deity the concept of binary mm-hmm. of male and female it really doesn't enter into anything but i don't know how to describe that you know what i'm saying so I, part of it, i think part of the difficulty is the language
0: yeah darian says i feel like language is so important and yet can be so limiting at the same time language has power but can also destroy curiosity and autonomy in my craft i had someone crochet me a goddess god and to them it was very cool to have them on my altar and even when you get into to non-binary stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, non-binary is itself an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. I'm non-binary because I'm a gender, mm-hmm. meaning I have no gender. But there are other ways to be non-binary. Right. There are non-binary people who are bigender, who feel they are equally masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Or genderqueer people who sort of oscillate up and down the spectrum based on vibe for the day. Like, right. there are so many different ways to even be non-binary. It's almost not a thing that you can mm-hmm. quantify right. in that way.
1: So how do we then empower ourselves as queer witches?
0: I, I think that very much is, is going to be down to individual practices, mm-hmm. sort of assessing what the function of their current practices related to sex and gender are mm-hmm. for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What they do. Mm-hmm. why they're designed this way. And then assessing whether those things have anything to do with sex and yeah. gender, and if so, how they can be evolved. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a very tradition-specific kind of thing. Unfortunately, uh, I don't yeah. think there's a, like,
1: catch-all band-aid for that. Right. Now, I do think that solitary witches will have um, possibly a a way to do this that is not as constricting... As yes. those who are in specific traditions may find it to be.
0: Yes, because in a tradition, you have to sort of create a set of rules that everyone can follow. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a solitary, you make the rules. You make the rules. <laughs> the rules exactly. are whatever you say they are. So for you, you
1: specifically. So you create, you know, a solitary can create their craft in whatever way that means. And if you are a queer person... I, I think that inherently your your magic and your, your craft is going to be more queer right. than I others. Think, I,
0: I think if you are a queer person who does magic, what you're doing is queer magic. Yeah, yeah. By definition. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I do also think it could be useful for cis or straight mm-hmm. people to pursue the ideas of queer magic. Either participating mm-hmm, in it, mm-hmm. especially with queer people, mm-hmm. or just in observing it and the way it's structured. Because it requires a different kind of thinking. So I Mm -hmm. think even cis and straight people can sort of learn and grow from Mm -hmm. the experience of interacting with queer magic Mm -hmm. and and with
1: queer forms of magic. And again, and then it comes down to are queer witches willing to share this with the cis community? I mean, that's very much going to depend on each individual. Here is
0: something I definitely want to pull out and make very clear. Mm -hmm. There is no one queer experience. No, no which defines all queer truth. Mm -hmm. Every queer person has a different experience of being queer. Even two people who are queer in the same way. So two gay men, two trans women, Mm -hmm. are going to have different experiences of being gay or trans Mm -hmm. in their particular situation in life. So we have this umbrella so that Mm -hmm. we can all sort of band together and communicate and and have community with each other. Mm -hmm. But like one queer person... Cannot be the arbiter of no. all queer experience and therefore queer magic. Yeah, exactly. Rana and Gray says, "Nah, ode really different humans are different humans, even if they share one defining characteristic. Who would have guessed? You'd be surprised how often mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is." A genuinely held belief. <laughs> yeah, I think something that we we often overlook in queer magic because we, if you see people talking about queer magic, it's often about sort of three topics. Mm-hmm. Either the magic is about having your gender or sexuality in some way affirmed or protected. Mm-hmm. So it's about like trying to defend yourself from the reactions of the world. Right. It is about healing from damage you have already sustained. From the world, mm-hmm. or it is about in some way grappling with or recovering from trauma.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And although those are all very important pieces of the queer magic experience, mm-hmm. I think they sort of miss the opportunities for queer magic to be really joyful.
1: I and was just going to say the celebration yeah, of to, of being queer. Yeah, to
0: be to be like. Get that gender euphoria yeah, in your magic. Yeah, like, yep. get that, that moment of, like, being at pride and mm-hmm. seeing all your people and that
1: sort of groundswell of community. Like, so often is felt in a if you go to, like, a big pagan event mm-hmm. and you participate in a group ritual and there's been a raising of energy... It's that same principle, that joyfulness, that the raising of energy and releasing it mm-hmm. into the universe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think we don't celebrate being queer mm-hmm. as often as we should. And, and I think in part that's because it is still, in many ways mm-hmm. and in many places, still very dangerous to be queer. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like a threatened state. But if you're not celebrating what you are, it sort of curdles inside you. Mm-hmm. It becomes this thing that only poisons and endangers you instead of something that is that enhances and improves your life, instead mm-hmm. of something that nurtures you. Right. So I think that's something that we need to put more emphasis on, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: What is beautiful and meaningful and transformative about your practice? Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, cis people mm-hmm. have a better handle on it because it's easy.
0: Right. It's easy to celebrate... Like, the, the positive aspects of being a woman mm-hmm. because there was never any question that you were a woman. Right. Right? Like, that just is something you are. Mm-hmm. No one's ever questioned it. No one's ever punished you for being... Well, you may have been punished for being one. but yeah. But your existence hasn't been in doubt. Right. So, when you find those things to be joyful about, about being a woman there's sort of a framework already in place for you to celebrate those Mm -hmm, things. mm -hmm. Whereas there's, like, even when people accept or understand that I don't have a gender, they don't Mm -hmm. see anything about that that, 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 like, you would celebrate. They're just sort of like, so you have a lack of everything, of Mm -hmm. all the things. Part of the problem there for me is that you see the the masculine and the feminine, especially in the divine masculine and divine feminine Mm -hmm, senses, mm -hmm. being divided up into characteristics. Mm -hmm. So, like... The divine masculine is associated with courage and Mm -hmm. stability and power and projective force. Mm -hmm. And the divine feminine is associated with charisma and compassion and the receptive force Mm -hmm. uh, and empathy and intuition, right? Mm -hmm. And so as an agender person, the assumption is that spiritually I have none of that.
1: But isn't that all really definitions created by patriarchal Well they're created by cis people certainly. Cis people.
0: I mean not not even all patriarchy. I mean some of the certainly some of the qualities ascribed in the modern day to the divine mm-hmm. feminine were ascribed to it by women. Yeah. And not even always just cis women i mean some Mm -hmm. some trans women as well like those are the things Mm -hmm. they find validating about being a
1: woman but then i think of the warrior women the amazons Mm -hmm. and artemis and hera and Mm -hmm. the fierceness and those things the the complexity the complexity Mm -hmm. of of these and would you say that
0: like would you say that those goddesses are channeling a, a, the divine masculine in those moments, like, See, and
1: that's the thing—they're not. They are being true to themselves. Yeah,
0: their femininity their is femininity just is a different kind of femininity, powerful with
1: autonomy. Mm-hmm. That uh, and is that is interpreted as vengeful, or, or shrewish, uh, shrewish, <laughs> or bitchy
0: you see this too with the masculine deities yeah. you say you see deities
1: like Dionysus being interpreted as effeminate mm-hmm. or hermaphroditus who mm-hmm. I talked about he was like the epitome of apparently beautiful in youth. Greece of beautiful youth and being effeminate mm-hmm. for a male mm-hmm. like we
0: we have Frere described often in in heathenry as being as being a weak man mm-hmm. or as being a man who is who is very effeminate, who has feminine qualities. Mm-hmm. But, but the truth is that, that Frere's masculinity is just a gentle kind of masculinity. Mm-hmm. It's not that
1: Frere has a feminine gentleness to him. He has a masculine gentleness to mm-hmm. him. Exactly. And that is, unfortunately, in our society and in the views of people, that those quote-unquote conflicting qualities mm-hmm. are a problem. But they're actually a strength.
0: Randon Gray says, as a as a personal experience of positive queer additions in my practice, I still have a very casual but fatherly sort of personal relationship with Apollo as my main god. Technically, he's the only real male god I routinely worship, but he's queer as fuck in his own right. So I guess that's to be expected. But when I noticed even his language towards me shifted from being a daughter of his to just a child was extremely satisfying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I find our, I I think in general, our gods are much more supportive of... um, Fluidity. Yeah, and of of queerness Mm -hmm. than, in some cases, the the other humans we're going to be dealing with. But so yeah, some of it is definitely a language issue of... Mm -hmm. But some of it is also just we've built these associations mm-hmm. and they're so ingrained in us.
1: They're so habitual. It's hard to escape.
0: Yeah, that when you try to move past them or deconstruct them yeah. in any way, it feels
1: impossible. Well, like even in, in uh, queer relationships or, or in the queer community, mm-hmm. you have... Queens, you have butch femmes. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, we see. Um, we have these constructed, these mm-hmm. these intentionally constructed binaries yeah. built inside of
1: queer communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because when I think of my father, you know, the last years of his life when he was uh, with his husband, even before in relationships, you know. My, my father was a man of, of very strong opinions. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like he was a, you know, he was masculine while also being feminine. Some people would say he was effeminate, but, but, not, what, but he so wasn't. Here's,
0: so here's my question. What do you mean by that? Use, yeah.
1: uh, use words other than masculine and feminine <sighs> to describe those qualities. He was both strong and caring at the same time, and yet he was remote and authoritative okay. at the same time
0: noticing that what you meant was when you said he was masculine was mm-hmm. you meant he was strong mm-hmm. when you said but he was feminine what you meant was he was caring
1: mm-hmm.
0: but why are those masculine and
1: feminine qualities it's it's because it's, it's that it's that, that, ingrained, that ingrained, ingrained habitual habitual yeah. way of looking at an individual yeah yeah
0: so i think in some That's ways hard.
1: language is hard
0: yeah I, I i wonder if it might be better for for us, at least as an exercise, even if it's not something you incorporate into your regular practice, mm-hmm. at least as an exercise, stop using the words masculine and feminine mm-hmm. when you mean to describe
1: other qualities. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I feel like when he was married to my mother, he was putting on the role of fatherliness, fatherliness <laughs> and husbandliness. Mm-hmm. And as the after they got divorced, as the years went by, he was true to himself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you could tell that in the way he, you know, in his demeanor. Mm-hmm. He became more comfortable. He became more comfortable with who he was, and didn't give a fuck about what other people thought. Mm-hmm. And p- other people around him interpreted that as being a queen, or mm-hmm. you know, being more feminine, or things like that. But yet he wasn't.
0: What words? Other than masculine or feminine, yeah. would you use to describe the behavior that had people describing him as effeminate or as a queen?
1: Was he dramatic? Was he He wasn't he was Bitchy dr- was he, he, was, he... he was dramatic, bitchy, and had an amazing sense of style. Uh huh. But why should those be feminine qualities? And, again, I, <laughs> But I don't think they necessarily are. I mm-hmm. think they were just him. But that's how people perceived him. But that's how them. people perceived him. Yeah.
0: Githa says, I think that's a great exercise for me as well as a cis hetero woman. Yeah. This is what I mean when I say that I think queer magic and and applying the principles of queerness to your mm-hmm. to your magic, to your practice, to your work can be useful for cis and straight people as well mm-hmm. because in a lot of ways because they're habitual, uh-huh. because they're normative, mm-hmm. we don't question those things. We don't mm-hmm. ask what we really mean when we say masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. So I think forcing us to to crack those things open and dig into them makes us more precise.
1: Yeah, which in some ways may make our magic more precise. Yeah, and I'm still not sure I quite captured the qualities nailed down, nailed it down to what made him unique to himself Mm -hmm. as a gay man. Mm -hmm. That was different than when when he was living in a a heterosexual role. But but it was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just hard to describe.
0: I I think that's. In some ways, that's always going to be the case. Yeah. Because I've talked about before, um, you can never truly know another person's experience. You can only know what they're
1: capable of telling you about it. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to, well, I think as individuals, we bring these qualities into our spellcraft, Mm -hmm. into our pagan practices, and into how we honor our deities. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Especially those of us who are working with deities who have Mm -hmm. queer mythology. Mm -hmm. Like, if you work with Odin, but you don't acknowledge the transgressive qualities of his access to magic, the reports that he spent some time as a woman, Mm -hmm. for that matter, even his disabled status, his anxieties, are you really working with all of Odin? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if Are you, you limiting him? Yeah, if you only work with the most sort of surface-level aspect of Odin as father of many deities and as the king of the gods, you're, you're getting a very a very specific, very narrow view of Odin. Mm-hmm. Finn says, stop talking sense, Ode. You're going to upset the Brosatru. The Brosatru can come at me. <laughs>
1: Fuck the Brosatru.
0: <laughs> I'm not impressed by the Brosatru. They can take their shit elsewhere. Unless they, you know, unless they want to chit-chat about how queer Odin is, and then they're they're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can be a bro and be an ally at the same time. Being an ally doesn't mean you have to, you know, stop liking football or whatever. Uh, you can still do your, your keg stands. <laughs> <laughs> Odin would love a keg stand. He'd just also love to dress up as a pretty lady while he does it. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of books I wanted to recommend. Mm-hmm. So... This one I haven't read, and I've seen sort of mixed reviews on it, but there is a book called Queer Magic by Lee Harrington and Ty Phoenix-Kuliston. Cooliston. is an anthology of um, not just essays, but like short stories, comics, art, all kinds of contributions from various queer pagans Mm -hmm. talking about their experiences um, with queer magic and in the... The Queer Pagan Community. Mm-hmm. I have read a few reviews that say it can be a little heavily weighted towards the divine feminine, but it is going to give you... A, Some of
1: us have a prejudice.
0: Yeah, a- and it is going to give you a, a look at sort of a lot of perspectives from the the queer pagan community so that you can sort of get a, a scattershot view of it uh, really easily in one place. The other book I wanted to recommend is called Queering the Tarot by mm. Cassandra Snow. Cassandra Snow has another book that I don't recommend as much called Queering Your Practice. Um, it's got a lot of, well, a lot of typos. I needed another editing pass. But it's got a lot of, I would say, shallow interpretations. Mm. But Queering the Tarot is, I think, an interesting, at least starting point, for examining the heteronormativity and sort of the patriarchal influences in mm. a traditional tarot deck and how those things may be sort of coloring your interpretations. Mm -hmm. So it covers both uh, interpreting the tarot through a queer lens and how you might interpret tarot when reading for queer people specifically because Mm -hmm. sometimes a queer person's experience will mean that their relationship with the cards is different.
1: I think also as I'm sitting here, you know, thinking about queer magic and queer practice and being true to who you are and Mm -hmm. and things like that. Authenticity. Authenticity. (laughs) I keep thinking, you know, one of the things that has always stood out to me about modern pagan practice, Wiccan, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever uh, path, is that, especially, I'd say in particular Wiccan, you know, with the heteronormative, there's still a lot of Christianity. Mm -hmm.
0: uh, Not Not overtly, but just sort of an insidious
1: influence. (laughs) It's an influence in how rituals are laid out right you know so maybe that's something to explore is how to create and lay out a ritual in a way that is different Mm -hmm. and more true to who you are as practitioner as opposed to what is normative you
0: may still have to do those things in public rituals like if you're part of a craft tradition. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to follow those rules all the time when you're practicing at home. I think just in general, my, my advice for queering your, your magic is to just examine
1: why you're doing things. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing things? And maybe follow, be in more a little more intuitive mm-hmm. in how you put it together. Mm-hmm.
0: And if you find that you're doing something for a reason that, that validates your experience and that resonates with you, then keep doing it. But if you find that it doesn't validate you or it makes you uncomfortable or if on further examination you don't even know why you're doing it. And it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, then, you know, consider alternatives. Consider stepping past that sort of easy default cultural framework Mm -hmm. and finding out whether transgressing a little would be more powerful for you because I think a lot of us have gotten to this witchcraft and paganism have gotten Mm -hmm. to this point where we have norms inside the community which are so foundational that we don't question them anymore when Mm -hmm. sort of the whole point of witchcraft and of modern pagan practice Mm -hmm. is being transgressive is pushing against mainstream norms. Exactly. So why are we accepting these mainstream norms when we're resisting all these others? Yeah, creating
1: it within our own mm-hmm. spaces.
0: Yeah. Why are we recreating these restrictions? Mm-hmm. and Gray says, I just also had the thought about Lenormand decks as I'm not sure there's a wide enough usage for people to really think about, but there are often just a man and woman mm-hmm. card that are supposed to represent you or the person you're reading for, Whenever I have to do that, I just use whatever card—Lenormand, Tarot, Oracle, hell, even a business card works. We feel best represents the real you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And and I have had that dilemma in the past looking at Lenormand mm-hmm. decks, um, because Lenormand decks are extremely gendered. Mm-hmm. Not just even in the man and woman cards, but like the the various little animal cards mm-hmm. mean like a woman specifically or a man specifically mm-hmm. with X or Y characteristics. Um, it's an extremely gendered and extremely heterocentric divination system. And part of that is because it's so precise, but because of that, it's gotten very outdated. So mm-hmm. I think Lenormand, in general, could, could do with an update. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Maybe a little queering of the Lenormand. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone out there has made a queer Lenormand deck. Probably. So. All right. I think that's it for me. Yep. And that's, that's it for, for Quinn. Me. And Hopefully this conversation made sense. Yes. I know it wasn't, like, super...
1: Like this is what you do.
0: Yeah, but part of that is just because that's not how queerness works. At least it's not how my queerness works. My queerness is anti gatekeeping.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, I think that's important. I think we don't want to create. Yeah, I want I want people to sort structures of structures that you have to. You're not queer if you don't do it this way.
0: Yeah, I want people to break mm-hmm. the restrictions they're already under. I don't want to create new restrictions for them. Right. If that makes sense. Right. All right. Um, we're gonna call that it for this episode. Sorry so much of it was a uh, housekeeping, mm-hmm. <laughs> quote-unquote. Yep. But we will see you all next week. Yep. Hopefully with less news updates. Yes. Um,
1: <laughs> Something a little less esoteric to talk about.
0: Yes, well, we, we should be starting a new series next week. Ooh. Um, which I will tell Gwen about as soon as we turn off the mic. So you can find us on Google if you Google the number 3 and the number, the number, wow, the wow. number three and the words Pagans and a Cat, <laughs> or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C, we have a website at 3 pagansandacatcom
1: I am on Patheos Pagan Occasionally, where I do blog at least once a month, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and visit me on TikTok. Yes, Gwen has a TikTok. I probably do more TikTok these days. You probably do, yes. It's because it's fun and it's quick. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. I don't have to work my brain pan. Yeah.
0: TikTok is low barrier to entry. And you don't have to sit down at a keyboard and type for several hours. Mm -hmm. So that's a bonus, too. Yep. We have a Redbubble and a Patreon. If you want to support us,
1: you can do those things. Yep. That's it. That's it. All right. Have a wonderfully, wonderful rest of the week. And fight like hell. Don't forget to fight like hell. Don't get complacent. Yes. All
0: right. Goodbye. Goodbye.